trying to swim our way out of all this weather, but you'll be happy to know it is cooling down just in time for the sunset service this weekend, which will be super exciting. It might be the coolest day of fall. Uh, coolest day we've had in Tallahassee maybe in the last four or five months. So anyway, supposed to clear up, beautiful weather. Hope you guys can join us this Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. We'll be worshiping, hanging out, and teaching through the book of James. All right, we are up to Revelation chapter 18 this morning. Um, drinking from the Frank, what is this? What do I have in my hand? The Frank Lloyd Wright Guggenheim Collection. I'm pretty sure Frank Lloyd Wright did not make this mug, but maybe it was gotten from, I don't know where this came from, his museum, one of the houses he's designed. Anyway, my sister gave it to me many years ago, and because I'm dwindling down in my coffee mug repertoire, I'm, I'm reaching uh, to finish out the book of Revelation, but haven't drank out of this in several years, but here we go. It tastes just fine. Revelation 18. Um, let me introduce this chapter uh, by by sharing this movie, uh, movie scene that's one of my favorites from a James Bond movie. I can't remember which James Bond flick it's in, but the, the, the movie opens in the streets of New Orleans, and there's, a, there's an agent who's, who's there doing some sort of secret spy work, and he notices this funeral procession coming down the street. Um, one of these old-school dirges where the jazz musicians are playing one of, you know, some very sad, lamentable tune as they carry a coffin down the street, kind of old-school New Orleans, and he happens to lean over and ask one of the bystanders, hey, who's, whose funeral is this? And the person looks back at him and says, oh, don't you know, it's yours. And they assassinate this agent, and then all of a sudden, this this dirge, this funeral turns into a, a jazz Mardi Gras kind of celebration. And it's this is the kind of thing that's happening actually in Revelation 18. We've been talking about um, the fate of Satan, the great beast, and the prostitute, and the false prophet, and at the very end of the age. And here we have in chapter 18 kind of a dirge. It's a, it's a lament over the fall of Babylon the Great, which is to, which symbolizes Rome, and then all other subsequent um, empires that rise up to oppose the church. And what's what's uncanny about this dirge or this um, lament is that it's not from the perspective of how sad we are, okay, um, that that Babylon has fallen, but how in fact Babylon has brought this upon herself and. It's almost as if Babylon is looking in and saying, hey, whose, whose funeral is this? And God is saying, it's your funeral. And um, it's, it's, you're going to be getting everything that you deserve. And so um, let's, let's read this. We'll pray and then we'll unpack it. It's a little bit longer, but I think because it's so, so poetic, it needs to be kind of read in one setting as much as it's meant to be picked apart. Remember, think about this as we're on a... John's just told us a story, and now he's giving us an illustration, a trailer, a preview of, of what's going to happen at the end of time. And so he says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. 
She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen. I am no widow, in mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these waters who gained wealth from her will stand far off, in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste, and all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like that great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be, thrown down with violence, and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more, and a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more, and the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and all who have been slain on earth. Now, isn't that a cheery word for a Thursday morning? Well, in actuality, it's it's meant to, to be particularly um, significant and encouraging for us and for the original readers as, as they read this. So, so just as a reminder... We saw last time, or we've been seeing how Satan stands behind the evil perpetrated on the earth, particularly that directed against the church and Christians. 
and 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 Satan has has manifested his power, his deception through the state and through false religion, false philosophy, through through deceit, and this beast or this woman that's been riding on the beast, um, um, of course, is has is Babylon. Okay, now remember Babylon was the chief enemy of the Old Testament people of God. Um, they were a terror. They're the ones that destroyed Jerusalem. They're the ones that hauled off the Israelites into captivity. They were the ones that were responsible for the complete annihilation of the Jews. Just as Jews marked their history, redemptive history, by looking to the Red Sea, they marked their judgment by looking, remembering the time when they were conquered by Babylon and destroyed. And so what we see over and over and over again in Scripture, not just in Revelation, but Peter and other Scripture writers, is that Babylon becomes a type. Babylon becomes a, a metaphor for those things that oppose or stand against the, the people and the church of God. And particularly in that day, everyone understood Babylon uh, Rome, the Roman Empire, to be the re reincarnation of Babylon, right? And so part of John's point in these chapters is that every time the beast or the state or the empire or the ruling authorities of the day tend to fail, tend to fade, someone springs up in their place, another empire, another leader, another antichrist, little a. And, and so here, this is what's clearly happening here. Babylon has been destroyed, okay, for 500 years, but is now reincarnated as sort of the, the Roman um, Empire. And what's interesting about this dirge, okay, and about this lament, um, sort of this lament of mockery, is that it hasn't happened yet. It's a predictive word. We know that Rome... Uh, continues in its present form as the most powerful force on the world in the world for hundreds of years. It's not until several hundred years later that, in fact, Rome is sacked. It won't be till hundreds and hundreds of years until run, Rome will be overrun by the barbarians and conquered and those sorts of things. When John is writing Rome, the Roman Empire, there's no more powerful, terrifying force on the face of the earth, in the history of the world. It is all-encompassing. Um, it, um, it is a reality that the church wakes up to each and every day. And imagine you're in the situation of the, of the original readers of these seven churches in Asia Minor. You're under the boot, the heel, the thumb of the Roman Empire, and then you're reading the obituary, okay? And yet you see someone who seems to be quote-unquote in fine health and doing just fine and this would have been a great encouragement to them to know that the time of rome the time of the empire the time of oppressiveness and evil being perpetrated against the people of god has a date certain it has an expiration date and and here what we what we see here is that all of the world that has put her trust in Rome or put her trust in the state or puts their trust in the empire will be surely disappointed. So, so much, so much of the mourning and lamenting that's happening in Revelation 18 is on the part of those who realize too late 
that they put their hope in something that is unsustainable, something that is temporary, something that is fallen, um, something that um, is ultimately stands in opposition to God. Because remember, it was Rome where people were being um, compelled to worship Caesar, to proclaim him as God. They weren't allowed to buy and sell or participate in economic activity. And Christians were greatly suffering, being martyred, being persecuted. But yet, as they read this, they would be assured that one day, one day, okay, Rome's reckoning will come. And so, so there's, there's, a, there's a charge here to the church in light of this coming reality. And look at verse 4. It says, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. Some versions say, um, you know, uh, separate yourself from her. And, and what this describes here is not a, sort of a separatist theology which says leave Rome, like physically, geographically, um, become a Christian holy huddle or a Christian commune. What, what John, because that would have been impossible. They, they could not have been removed physically from the Roman Empire. What, what, what John is encouraging them to do is to, is to come out, not adopt the, the prevalent worldview, to not put their trust in Rome. Um, to not participate in the idolatry of Rome, to remember that their citizenship is in heaven. And this is a great word for us, okay? Because we can all tend to idolize um, country, empire, state leaders in an unhealthy way, whether it's communism, okay, which says that there is no God and enshrines the state, okay, as God, or whether it's even in America where we are tempted to put our hope and trust in a political system, in a nation state, as, as much as we might enjoy it and its freedoms and believe it's favorable over other kinds of government, ultimately, we have to re- recognize that Revelation 18, okay, the dirge, the lament of the fall of the state is going to be applied universally to all empires, all nations, all rulers, all political systems, um, all um, all human institutions that ultimately in the face of the holy, righteous God, none will stand. All are temporary. And what a, and what a call, what a, what a reminder to us not to place our hope in them, okay? Not that we shouldn't participate, not that we shouldn't vote, not that we shouldn't be active. That's not the point of this passage. The point of this passage is... Only God is eternal. Only God is true. Only God doesn't disappoint. Only God um, is faithful 100% of the time. And when we put our hope in political realities, human realities, institutional realities, um, we forget, okay, that all of these things are only temporary. And what we worship and put our hope in is the triune God who is eternal and keeps covenant with his people. And so they would read this funeral dirge, they would read this obituary, and they would be reminded and encouraged. Now, we are heading down the home stretch of our study of Revelation. We have one, two, four chapters left. And this is where we begin to transition from from these images. Now, there's still judgment, there's still the defeat of Satan, but this is where we begin to get uh, this eschatological hope and picture 
of God's coming kingdom and what happens at the end of the day and not just what is happening to the enemies of God, but what is happening for the people of God. And so tomorrow, Friday, we'll be back here. Revelation 19, the, the scene shifts from the funeral, the dirge, to the rejoicing and celebration of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we need these words. Um, we, we need to be reminded that in equity, equity and justice, sin, evil will not prevail. It is temporary. We also need to be reminded, Lord, that the things that we can so easily set our hope in and to look to to find our peace um, are fading and will be temp- are temporary and will recede into history as the kingdom of God breaks forth. So, Lord, let us put our hope in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.